everyone, I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Her Story, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Today, I have with me traffic controller, Central Turnpike. How are you doing today, Central? Beep, beep, doing just fine. How are you doing today? (laughs) Well, I'm doing well. We are in a little bit of a different venue than we usually are so if we sound a little different that would be why pardon us and thank you very much who are we learning about today well today's her story lesson is all about brave bessie queen bessie aviatrix bessie coleman Ooh, i like that i i'm do excited too let's get into it let's miss brave bessie coleman was born near the turn of the century on january 26th 1892 in Atlanta, Texas, which apparently there's an Atlanta, Texas. Did you know Shouts that? Shouts out to Atlanta and Texas and also Atlanta, Texas. I had no idea mm-hmm. about Neither Atlanta, I. Texas, so mm-hmm. I had to look it up on mm-hmm. where it is, and it is in the far northeast Texas near both the Louisiana and Arkansas borders. The more you know. Which is weird because I'm from northeast Texas, so you'd think, but here we are. Mm. Bessie's mother was Susan Coleman, an African-American maid, and her father was George Coleman, a Native American sharecropper. The two had 13 children, including Bessie. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. Her father moved back to Oklahoma to escape discrimination as there was a higher population of Native American people in Oklahoma. Susan and the children stayed in Texas and moved to Waxahachie. Bessie grew up helping her mother pick cotton and wash laundry to earn extra money. It was important to Susan that her 13 children got an education, and the majority of them were able to graduate high school, which wasn't that common during that time. Yeah. By the time Bessie was 18 years old, she had finally saved enough money to attend the Colored Agricultural and Normal University, now Langston University, in Langston, Oklahoma. However... After just one semester, Bessie was forced to drop out as she could not afford to continue her education. That's unfortunate. Yeah. At the age of 23, Bessie moved to Chicago to live with a few of her brothers. In Chicago, she attended Burnham School of Beauty Culture in 1915, and she subsequently became a manicurist in a local barbershop. Her brothers served in World War I and came home with incredible stories from France. They teased Bessie, as brothers do, that the French women were allowed to learn how to fly planes and that Bessie could not. I'm sure she heard the stories and could see herself like being over there, just wanted to be like anywhere else. But mm-hmm. Then and there, she decided that she was going to take to the sky. And I can't say my brother ever teased me quite like that, but he is an old, gentle soul, so, you know, that wasn't really in his nature. (laughs) Bessie applied to numerous flight schools, but she had a double whammy against her. Not only was she a woman, but she was black. A famous African-American newspaper editor, Robert Abbott, told her to move to France if she was serious about her aspirations. Well, it's nice of him to support her like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder, um, I guess, over there in Europe or France, it was more of a common thing f- 
Bessie took French in the evening, not just to learn the language, but because the applications themselves had to be in French. French. That's what I just French. said. <laughs> the day finally came when brave Bessie was accepted at the Code. Code at the Codron Brothers School of Aviation oh, in nice. Le Crotoy, France. Swish. Yeah, exactly. And on June 15th, 1921, she received her international pilot's license from the Federation Aeronautic International. Wow. I know, so exciting. That's impressive. In September of the same year, Bessie returned to New York and was greeted by a surprise amount of press coverage. Flying as entertainment was becoming more and more popular and offered financial benefits for aviators. During the 1920s, the, the economy was booming and it wasn't hard to get people in the seats of air shows. This, however, required more training than she currently had. Fancy mm. maneuvers require fancy training. Mm. So she went back to France for just a little while longer. When Bessie made her return to the States for good, she knew that she needed publicity for a paying audience. Her first air show was on September 3rd, 1922 at Curtis Field near New York. Glenn Curtis let her borrow his plane, and just like that, she performed the first public flight by an African-American woman. I think that's so cool that she wanted to show off, or, you know, she wanted to do these aeronautic um, uh, moves. The tricks. And, yeah, you know, I think, especially for for a time that this has only just started to become popular, she was... Uh, well, the first African-American woman. Yeah, yeah I mean, hashtag do. hustle hard. That's what you do. <laughs> that's, that's what you have to do when you have to make a living, you know? She was like, she was like, I could be a beautician, but... How about if I just flew planes and everyone gave me money? And then that was a better life choice. <laughs> yeah, well, that was what she'd wanted, you know? She wanted to do something more. She was ambitious, she was ambitious and she had a drive to mm -hmm. take to the skies. And I like that um, Glenn Curtis was like, sure, use my you plane. You can have my plane. I have do a it. bunch of planes. He's like, he's like, you can borrow he's it. Like, Let's I've, do it. I've, yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of, Bessie's dream was to own her very own plane and to open up her own flight school. She would travel the country giving speeches and showing films of her tricks in churches, theaters, and schools as a way to earn money. She refused to speak anywhere that was segregated or discriminated against African Americans. Brave Bessie was famous for performing loop-the-loops and making figure eights with her airplane. The world was fascinated by her, and she was popular in the United States as well as in Europe. She was not only a woman, but she was a half-black, half-indigenous American. She was continually underestimated. I'm obsessed with air shows, as, as you know. <laughs> my, my father was a fighter pilot and is now a commercial airline pilot, so I grew up around planes. Um, we used to go to air shows every summer, and I'm sure I complained about the heat and being hungry the whole time, but boy, did I love them now looking back at it, you know? I'm sure it was just so cool to see them up close like that, especially with, I've only seen it in videos, but the streaks that they that they Oh, they can do they just, just the do. coolest yeah, tricks. I know. I love the Blue Angels. They're, they're 
incredible. My favorite trick that I've seen with planes is when they leave the gate and then they fly away. That's <laughs> safely, so cool. And yeah, then safely. Land. That's the coolest <laughs> trick I think I've ever seen. Um, I don't mean to brag, but I've seen a few planes leave. <laughs> you've seen, you've seen, seen a, a few, few planes back the, the gate. Yeah, you know. <laughs> On her tours, she would also give lessons and perform using whatever planes people would let her borrow, as she still didn't have her own quite yet. She encouraged African Americans and women to learn to fly. Just two years into her career, Bessie survived her first major flying accident. Oh my. In February of 1923, her engine malfunctioned and ceased to work, and then, predictably, crashed to the ground. Oh my goodness. She suffered serious injuries. That's a broken so leg, cracked ribs, and cuts all over her face. Yeah, really, really scary. I wonder if she just had like not even like what like a like go- like go- like goggles. Like, you know, like in terms of safety gear, oh, like safety what do you what were they wearing in terms of like where, I mean, like, there's pat, not like, what really padding. a whole lot of safety gear that you wear when you're piloting an airplane. You I have... guess you wouldn't really wear a helmet either. Yeah, yeah I mean, they so do wear helmets. Now, right? But back then, I was I don't know. Yeah, maybe they weren't quite as strict about it. I'm not sure. But she survived, so maybe she was Thank wearing goodness. a helmet. Or, you know. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that it kept her down for long? Um, No. Mm, no. You would be correct no. in that assumption. Because no. as soon as she was all healed up and given the okay... She began her high-flying insanity once again in 1925. You couldn't put her down. Just two years after the accident. You couldn't stop her. One of her ultimate goals was finally reached when Bessie was able to purchase her very own airplane. A Jenny JN4 with an OX-5 engine. That's the come up. <laughs> you know, it, That's it's amazing. Yeah. And this is basically exactly the type of small airplane you would picture from the 1920s. Yeah. That's what I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bessie went to her hometown in Texas to perform, and she found out that the managers and organizers of the event were planning on two separate entrances, one for black people and one for white people, as Texas was still segregated at the time. Queen Bessie said, excuse you? No. Queen Bessie. Yeah. And she refused to perform unless there was to be one gate for everyone to use. Good. After many meetings and intense negotiations, the managers agreed to one gate, but separate seating sections. That's so dumb. I know. But, you know, ultimately, Bessie did agree to perform and became known for standing up for herself for her people and what she believed in. I'm glad she was able to use her platform mm-hmm. to speak up, you know. Exactly. Sort of She's activist. like, if you're going to bring me in, <laughs> you can't you can't just use me as a spectacle mm-hmm. in a way that I am not allowing you to. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. Just as things were finally coming to fruition in her career, she had a plane and she's gaining notoriety, a tragic accident occurred. On April 30th of 1926, Bessie Coleman took a test flight in her brand new plane with mechanic William Wills. Wills was piloting the plane and Bessie was co-pilot. At 3,000 feet in the air, a wrench got stuck in the engine of the craft. Oh no. Wills was unable to control the steering wheel and the plane flipped right over. Ugh. 
Airplanes during this time didn't have a roof or any kind of protection. Tragically, Bessie wasn't wearing her seatbelt, and she immediately fell to the ground oh from the God. aircraft, so dying sad. on impact. That is, that is absolutely tragic. Wills crashed the aircraft only a few feet from Bessie's body and also died. She was only 34 years old. That's so young. I know. It's so... Ugh, I just hate... Tragic. I, ugh. There's no other word to describe it other than a tragic accident. Yeah. Thousands were heartbroken by the loss of such a pioneering woman well before her time. Activist Ida B. Wells Barnett performed the funeral service in Chicago in which over 15,000 people attended. They showed out for her. They did. And another memorial was held in Orlando where there were about 5,000 in attendance. This just goes to show what an inspiration she was to so many people. It wasn't until after her untimely death that Bessie was truly recognized for the incredible woman that she was. William J. Powell established the Bessie Coleman Aero Club in Los Angeles in 1929. In 1931, the Challenger Pilots Association of Chicago started the tradition of flying over her grave every year and to my best knowledge it is a tradition that is still continued well that that's that's very nice that they do that for her you know in honor of i Mm -hmm. think in in just yeah recognizing a woman who who really was just so trailblazer yeah In 1977, a group of African-American women pilots formed the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club. That's excellent. I know. And in 1995, the U.S. Postal Service came through with the Bessie Coleman stamp and issued this statement on their reasoning for the stamp. Her singular accomplishment in becoming the world's first African-American pilot and by definition, an American legend. Truly. Cool. Representation matters. cool. Absolutely. It's necessary. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that they do at least that much. Mm Mm-hmm. Aviators like the Five Blackbirds, the Flying Hobos, the Tuskegee Airmen, and others keep her dream alive well after her death. And that, my friends, is the story of Queen Bessie Coleman, the first African-American aviator. I'm interested, you know, I don't know if they've done a movie or, like, you know, a TV series or anything, mm-hmm. but right off the top, I mean, you know, when you first started mentioning some of the more interesting details about her, um, I thought this would be such a cool movie. Such and an epic. I had in mind, like, I could see Zendaya or, like, Zoe Saldana playing her. Oh, Like, my totally, like, like, a young, yes. like, strong black woman who's, like... You know, trying to come up, but wow. also trying to navigate the social, you know, yeah, the social injustices. Yeah, I can injustices. totally see either yeah, one of them. Yeah, either of them are, like, great. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You can see it, too, right? Oh, my gosh. It's all, I literally see the whole film. I feel like yeah. we've had this conversation about a few, a few, Nancy Wake was one where we were like, oh, my God, how is this not an epic movie? movie. What yeah. is happening mm-hmm. in Hollywood that this story isn't being told? It's crazy. It's crazy. like crazy. They would definitely, Hollywood would make way, way more money if we had movies about women and maybe also if they were made by women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's important that 
those those stories are told from the lens of the person who actually knows that type of experience Mm. imagine that yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely oh my gosh well anything else to add she was an inspirational woman Mm -hmm. and i like that we are still recognizing her today Mm-hmm. Um, you Absolutely. know, we, with some of the morning morsel things that we, uh, morning morsel posts on Twitter, I feel like we've talked about, we've mentioned briefly some really other, cool aviatrix women uh, that yeah. like, she was an inspirational woman, a trailblazer and yeah, I'm, and I am, I'm, I'm heartbroken that her, we weren't able to see more right what else a, she could have write been. an episode about the whole rest of her life yeah you know 34 is very young so but young. she 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 created an, an impactful legacy absolutely and i'm happy that we're doing an episode about her yeah. and hopefully someone can see this and do a movie about her or else we're <laughs> going to and y'all gonna miss out on this money <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Rather oddly, researching this episode really made me want to get my pilot's license. Um, I don't think I'd ever be able to get um, Mr. Central Turnpike over here in the plane with me, but, you know, you can't see him, but he just got wide-eyed and shook his head around. I'll just watch, like, <laughs> YouTube videos of people flying, pilots flying in 4K. And, and then have a heart attack. Be, and, then that, and then pass out from there, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I know I'm a broken record, but it helps the podcast grow so that we can share these stories with more people. Tune back in this Friday for an interview with young adult novelist Heather Reed. In this interview, she talks about her writing process, Scotland, revisiting old works, and so much more. Visit our website at www.ofherstory.com. You can follow us on the social medias Twitter at the Her Story Pod, Instagram at Women of Her Story Podcast, and you can send us an email to Women of Her Story Podcast at gmail.com. And until Friday, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Wear a mask. Bye. <laughs>